It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And while you're listening to this, Robbie Arventi has probably scored again. He did yesterday, and today he's on a line with the fifth overall pick. We'll tell you who that is, what to expect from him, and maybe things aren't going Lassie's way, but we'll get into that. Also, our Send Central citizen, of course, being Saturday, we welcome James from the Welcome to your Carlson Years podcast. I don't know if that podcast name needs an update, but he's a beauty. Great conversation with him. And then we get into a divisive topic, to say the least. The OHL, the Ontario government, they're having a war of words online. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, October 31st. Happy Halloween to everyone. Pilsy, have you gotten over the Martian's chirp of your jack-o'-lantern? I'm not too concerned. I, I like it. It's a classic jack-o'-lantern. You know, maybe I didn't go crazy. I didn't have uh, some cool modern design. I went with the classic spooky lantern, but it's it's lit up. It's scary. It works. And you can't be mad at Leem's Martian if you haven't checked out on Twitter at Send Central, the new header, courtesy of Laleem's Martian. You know we're a goalie-friendly show, and that looks absolutely sick. Yeah, I, I love it. It turned out just how I wanted. I really wanted to get that uh, Kari Lettinen style of sitting on top of the nets. You guys know we're a hashtag goalie-friendly show. Both of us were attendees, so adds a little flair and a little nice fresh look to our Twitter page. Our old picture was, was pretty old, let's just say that. So this is a new look, new era, and uh, shout out once again to Laleem's Martian for hooking us up. Yeah, the last photo was from 2017 when we were just a, uh, what would you call it, a bi-monthly podcast? It was like whenever we could find time to do it, we would. But now, being a part of the Locked On family, got to take things seriously. Just in time for a 200 and 34-day break between Sens games, and there's a whole lot more on the back end that we haven't had yet. But wait, once Corey Perry signs, we'll be back into the news cycle for sure after Pierre Dorian's had a super busy offseason. Really excited to see how everything looks at training camp. I'm sure DJ Smith is feeling the same way. But as we wait for the players to come over um, for training camp, we're watching them overseas. And Robbie Arventi, this guy is a sniper. The kid just keeps going. Like It's like him and uh, Abramov every day. You expect a goal or at least some sort of highlight play. Uh, I want to quickly break down this goal, if that's okay, Ross. The team they're up against is just called Sport. First of all, I think that that's kind of funny. Just Sport. All right. So Sport starts the breakout in their own end. Puck bounces over one of their sticks. Elvis recovers, and I counted it. You can count it. Three seconds later, it's in the back of their net. Great job by Robbie Yarventi. He pivots once he realizes that his team is in possession of the puck. The entire arena, everybody from the coaches, the team, the fans, people watching, knows that Yarventi's getting that puck. He sets up for the one-timer, gets the feed, and blasts it 
for top shelf. That helps Ilvis win their second straight game. And he added an assist on top of that. The kid is electric. Well, second straight win, but they're also 7-1 and one on the season. Lucas Dostal, their goalie, has been ridiculous. 947 save percentage. But when you look at the offensive output from Robbie Arventi, five goals, 10 points in 11 games, plus nine as well, which you love to see. And as you're listening to this, the game is about to start, I believe in about two hours we're recording here, at just after 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Barrett Hayton is making his Eels debut. You remember him almost two points per game at the World Juniors with a bum shoulder as well. So that can only increase his offensive output, wouldn't you say? Yeah, especially because they're they're supposed to be on a line together. So what if you're Robbie Arventi and you're hearing that Barrett Hayton's coming over and then you hear that you're getting put on his line, oh man, does that look good for your stats. You're already lighting it up without him. So that'll be great, but... We got to get into uh, another sense in Europe on uh, on Elvis and tough, tough look for Lassie Thompson here. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. It seems like he's fallen out of favor with the coach, and maybe as Joachim Nevelinen said on Twitter that it's due to his play, and you can't fault the coach if that's the case. But you have to be a little concerned because this was supposed to be the year where he came over and made his debut in North American pro hockey, and he still could. Of course, we we already discussed earlier this week that the AHL is aiming for February 5th as their return to play date, which would make sense that it's after the NHL because, of course, you, you go to NHL training camp, and then if you don't make it, then you go to the AHL. So Lassie will be over here, but it looks like he's not getting much opportunity. He's listed as seventh defenseman today, and he wasn't even in the lineup for yesterday's game. So that's pretty tough. Do you think that this is going to be something that affects him long-term or once he gets over here, into the Senators' developmental system, they'll they'll know because they've invested a first-round pick into him that they need to get this guy playing time. That's the only way that he's going to develop. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it's it's definitely concerning, though, because this is a Finnish guy who's, who's played in the league for a while. He should be at his most comfortable in Ilvis, right? Like, that's – he should be uh, excelling like the other Sens players. It should be noted, though, that on that right side of the defense, they added Yusuf Valimaki, who's a 23-year-old first-round pick and who's leading the uh, entire team in scoring. Yeah, so and that's fair. Like, you're going to have much more competition now, like guys like Barrett Hayton and uh, just like you mentioned are coming over. So, But I thought this was a weird move because we talked about it when we were covering Lassie. It seemed like he was starting to pick things up. He had a secondary assist. He had that nice primary assist where he started the play and dished off to the winger and stuck with the play and ended up going in the net. Like, I think you end up healthy scratching a guy if he's in a steady slump and then you kind of make him look in the mirror and be like, okay, this isn't working. I got to change things. But it seemed like he was trending upwards. So kind of a weird move for me seeing him uh, be benched when he's trending upwards. But hey, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. And and maybe, maybe Lassie does need a little... Uh, a different perspective on the game, watching from up top, seeing how things are working, and maybe he needs to work on a couple of things if he wants to get back in that line. Extremely young still, just 20 years old, but you're right. He had points in back-to-back games and then was taken out of the lineup. So played 11 minutes, then 10 minutes, and then not at all yesterday. So we'll see if he gets back into the coach's good graces. Meanwhile, Eric Brandstrom, he won't be playing for a while. Yeah, really tough news there. And 
hey guys, this is the world we live in. Like COVID is still a thing, whether, uh, and it's been a long time, but it's still a worldwide global pandemic. And there was a positive case of COVID in the SCL Tigers organization. Did I get that one right, Ross? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So their game was postponed and the whole team's going to be quarantining until at least November 7th, uh, as per Sen's prospect. And yeah, this just sucks to hear. Like, hopefully they get things under control and everyone's safe because Branstrom was lighting it up over there. Had five points in five games, including that OT winner. Yeah, it was a beautiful goal, too. And uh, with Eric Branstrom, the franchise will have to wait to get him back in the lineup. Meanwhile, out of the Czech Republic, nice little interview that Sense Prospects posted, uh, re Philip Schlappick, where he said that if he wants to continue playing with Sparta, he's going to have to renegotiate with Ottawa. So it looks like his loan is done now that he's signed, but he also said he expects to play in Ottawa, not Belleville this season. Do you just see that as a bout of confidence from Schlappick or do you think that was a part of the negotiations? You would doubt it because he's on a two way deal. Yeah, I really doubt it's part of the negotiations. Cause like you said, if, if that was the case, he would have got a one year or one way deal. Um, so this is interesting move by Schlappick, but Hey, I kind of like it. If like it's better to be, um, you know, positive and really tout, tout your own horn if you want to get that ice time. And Felix Schlappig is at a point where he should be in the NHL, and he probably thinks that. And looking at his progression, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is a guy that was drafted in what 2014. He's been 15. around 2015, yeah. So he's been around for a while, and. He, he deserves a shot. So I'm excited to see if he does get a shot. And I think he can be a decent guy on that fourth line for the sense. Yeah, well, it's going to be one of those training camp competitions that yep. we're really excited about. And every Saturday, we're really excited to welcome on Ascend Central Citizen. So without further ado, here's our chat with James from the Welcome to Your Carlson Years podcast. Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, gosh, I wish I could dress that nice? Well, with Indochino, you can Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. I could change the type of collar, cuffs, and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. All right, very pleased to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's James from the Welcome to Your Carlson Years podcast. If that's what we're calling it now, I've been told it's gone through its variety of names. James, is that what we're going with right now? Yeah, we're just going to go with, just type Welcome to Your Carlson Years into wherever you uh, obtain your free hockey entertainment and worth every penny, and uh, that that should get you there. That's awesome. Well, you guys have been doing it forever, but I want to go even further back. How did you initially become an Ottawa Senators fan? Like most things about me, it's not super interesting, but um, yeah, 
I am the only person in my entire family who's from Ottawa. Most of my uh, family is, lives in Montreal. My parents are from Montreal. So, you know, there's a very strong Habscum contingent in my family, which uh, only made me absolutely double down on being a Sens fan uh, when we got our own team here in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a, bit of a rocky ride over the years but uh you know I couldn't be happier to be a Sens fan most of the time <laughs> it's it's great that we have this and uh you know I try to um appreciate how special in a way it is that like the way it all worked out and that we even got an NHL team so like I said it's been it's been a its own thing over the years uh but I think there's actually sunnier times ahead Oh, yeah, for sure. And if there's one thing Sens fans know, it's not always successful or unsuccessful, but it's always interesting. It's always a wild <laughs> ride being a, a part of this fandom. So your brand, your blog, your podcast, welcome to your Carlson years. You were telling us off air that you guys went with that name because uh, you were pretty certain that Carlson was going to stick around for a long time. Whoops, that didn't happen. So what's, uh, what's the plan now? Welcome to your post Carlson years. Welcome to your Norris years. What, what are you guys going with these days? Yeah, maybe we'll go with uh, Roby Arventi Hearing Centers or something. Yes. <laughs> uh, just really just get in on the absolute sub-basement <laughs> with that guy. Yesterday, somebody asked us on Twitter, what's a projected ceiling for him? And I, I just copied the top 10 goal scorers in NHL history. I said, somewhere in here should do, no? He's the next Ovechkin. That's exactly what, uh, I don't know who scouted him as a, a Yarko Rutu's bro still uh, scouting. Yeah. Basically, you could say it's the North Dakota University of Europe for Ottawa. Yeah, no, I don't think we're changing the blog name. Uh, Real Heads recognized uh, it was initially called the Corey Clouston Fashion Review, and we've since had, I think the number is uh, something like 46 or 47 head coaches since him. Yeah, we changed it to Welcome to Your Carlson Years of a number of years ago and yeah we were certain he was going to stick around you know why wouldn't you make the best player in franchise history uh senator for life but we figure he'll be back at some point to sign his one day contract in 2030 i want to get uh obviously you guys were really invested in carlson as most sans fans were so what was your reaction when the trade went down and what's your feeling about that trade now I think that there's two ways to look at it. I don't know if you've been on this website, twitter.com, but it is a lot of cynicism. In fact, you know, just to go back to what we we're talking about, I, I can't wait as a, as a lifelong Sens fan, I cannot wait until one day we might be able to talk about the team without using the words Eugene, Melnick, or budget in every single uh, transaction and equation that happens with the team but at the time yeah I mean I was heartbroken that that Eric Carlson was traded uh, you know the, the one way you can look at it is that it was just um, it was time to get the man paid and Eugene Melnick has no interest in doing that and I think that's not untrue uh, I think that it's a combination of you know pressure on uh, Pierre Dorian to make that move, a little bit of luck in how things turned out, and a little bit of savviness that he gets absolutely no credit for. I find 
he's not the best GM in the world, but like he's starting to rack up a few W's and the, and the Eric Carlson trade, I'm sorry, just go on uh, San Jose's uh, uh, cap friendly page. And you see like, yeah, maybe it was not the greatest idea to resign him, you know, at that, if that's the price point, like, Living in a you know budget team, maybe not paying an aging defenseman ten plus million a year when you have uh, Thomas Shabbat. Like I also think Thomas Shabbat working out factors into how like a little bit. You know they get some credit for drafting him, especially where they drafted him at uh, I think it was 18th. But also you know uh, Shabbat doesn't work out like as kind of like the next. Eric Carlson, then that's looking like a disaster of a trade in a way. Well, you need to have that stud on the back end that can play 30 minutes a night. And I know injuries had to do with his last two seasons, Eric Carlson I'm talking about. But if you look at the point output at the NHL level, Chris Tierney has the exact same amount of points as Eric Carlson. (laughs) That's an incredible stat. So then, yeah, then you add Dylan DeMello. Then you add, oh, man, we're going to actually be here too long if I name everything that came back in the trade. But Timmy Superstar being a part of it kind of is the cherry on top. When you look at all the other moves Pierre Dorian did, this roster has been completely rebuilt over the last two years. Outside of Eric Carlson, how do you think he's – which one do you think was his best move otherwise? Yeah, it's it's almost like we could just spend this entire segment talking about, like, the future implications of that one trade. I want, I, I think it's too early to tell with Brandstrom, you know, uh, that I, th- I think that people are writing him off a little bit early. I think he's probably like 20 years old or something. Yeah. The boys in Belleville call him the, the franchise. Yeah. The franchise. I love that. And you know, it, some, it's kind of like a goaltender situation where you got to give somebody to like, 23 24 before you even start seeing what they can do so you know we'll just put that one on ice but that that one could work out quite well you know Branson was considered one of the best prospects in the entire league but the strength of what Dorian's done in the you know I don't know how you guys want to refer to as a rebuild or like you know the more cynical version of that, where it's just like budgetary constraints. But what he has done that's undeniable in my, in my eyes is, is that he's focused his trades on either getting picks, as you saw in the last draft, or taking other teams' best prospects. And Vitaly Abramov is kind of one of those. I remember looking him up, and whether it was fan blogs or just looking at prospect rankings is that that guy was one of Columbus's best prospects when we got him and he's turning heads in Europe right now I don't know if he's the best prospect to like on my radar screen but it's like Josh Norris and Rudolph Balsers I think that Abramov is kind of forgotten in that mix where he was at a point per game for most of the season in Belleville last year and I tend to follow the AHL team very closely and I can say without question the season that he was having any other year, that guy would have been our number one prospect. He, the sense Twitter would be very furiously like free Abramov, like every time there was an injury, but because of the sheer depth and, and surprises along the way, like Batherson and Formentin, he is, you know, 
further and further down that death chart. But it, 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 I think that Abramov, to not answer your question, Abramov to me represents the, the richness of the prospect pool right now. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Ross and I worked for the Belleville Senators for two seasons uh, in the video production crew. So we got to see a lot of uh, Abramov and we absolutely love the guy. He's a stud. So those are you you hit on a couple prospects and a couple future pieces for the Ottawa Senators. But what about this offseason where they added uh, a lot of uh, NHL veteran talent of all the NHL ready guys they added this season? Which one intrigues you the most? You got to go with Matt Murray on that one, you know, because uh, I saw that this is a goalie friendly podcast. And yep. if there's anything less friendly in terms of projection, it's goaltenders, right? And I think the, the fact that Ottawa went out and signed Matt Murray after trading for him really shows, uh, you know, again, lifelong Sens fan. We've ne- I can say, Without question, we've never had this kind of goaltending prospect depth. I remember, you know, the I hope Jeff Glass works out years and like, you know, Ray Emery working out was a real blessing for Ottawa because he was like basically the only goalie prospect we had had in as long as I could remember. No disrespect to Yanni Irme or Martin Prusak, though. Yo, rest in power, my kings. But yeah, it shows. If you, if you can make a move for an established NHL goaltender, make it, even if you have like five up-and-coming kids. I also think it says that Anders Nielsen is not playing another NHL game, unfortunately. I mean, I, I was really concerned about that when I had heard in the summer that he hadn't even been on the ice yet. I really hope he makes the best decision for himself and his family and his future, but uh Anyway, Murray, you know, he's got the pedigree. I absolutely hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are a good team every year, and they just find these guys to replace their players all the time. Where I'm like, God, where are these guys drafting? Like 29th, and they're just like continue. Like Matt Murray's kind of expendable on their team. I'm like, gee, like, man, I've waited like decades for Ottawa to have goaltending prospects. These guys are just finding it. Uh, but, you know, he's had some bad seasons. I've received some smack talk from Penguins fans online saying, you know, wait till you see his glove hand and this kind of this kind of stuff. But I'm certainly not mad about I mean, I saw somebody making the case that Matt Murray hasn't put up better numbers than Craig Anderson. But honestly, like, I don't really see that as a bad thing. I love Craig Anderson. Yeah, 100 percent. And they almost play the similar style where their game is based on reading the play rather than you see so many just butterfly goalies right now and maybe yeah. their hands are, are what's reacting, but they're just going down all the time. Matt Murray's not like that. I think I, I like that in a goalie, too, because that's when you can get those seriously unreal saves that we've been known to see from Craig Anderson over the years where you get the two-pad stack involved, just like pure athleticism in the crease. And I think that that kind of goaltending can give more confidence to your team when you see them in front of you. James, I want to end off on this. I know you're a big Julia Robillard fan, as most Sens fans are. I mean, how can you not be? You see her every single commercial break. Who is the more iconic figure in Sens history? Is it Julia Robillard or Lyndon Sluage? I mean, no disrespect to uh, the god, you know, uh, Lyndon Sluage stacking up his gang signs after he does the anthem. But Voice uh, of an angel, too. Oh, yeah, that rich baritone. But uh, 
if I'm picking someone to do karaoke with, uh, it's going to be Queen Julia Robillard. Real heads recognize. And you can find you on Twitter if you type in Julia Robillard-Venti. If you haven't heard those goal calls, are unreal rolling the R's. But at W-T-Y-K-Y, I am so bad at acronyms. The other day I tweeted out because Marco Rossi joined the ZCL Tigers, Lions? Lions. I still don't know. The Lions. So, and then obviously Eric Branstrom's playing for who, Pilsy? SCL Tigers. I was like, hey, Marco Rossi's going to join, uh, join Branstrom over there. <laughs> so apparently a Tiger's different than a Lion. And ZCL, SCLA, NLA is the league. I know that. But we also know we can find you at WTYKY. Thank you very much for being a Sense Central Citizen. James, we'll catch up down the road. Thanks for having me on, guys. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Stick taps to James for joining the show. A little alphabet soup there out of my mouth at the end of that interview. No surprise there. Uh, Pilsy. A little bit of uh, back and forth between Darren Dreger and Lisa McLeod, who's the Minister of Sport, among other things, in the Ontario government. What do you make of her being very, very firm on the fact that if the OHL comes back, there will be no body checking allowed? Well, first of all, we, we got to separate the two sides here. There's the hockey side and the government side. She is on the government side, and they're trying to make it quite clear that if the OHL wants to play, they are not going to allow prolonged or deliberate contact while playing sports is not permitted is the exact quote. And look, here, here's the thing. Like it's, this is a global pandemic and the government's number one concern is safety. And it should be. That's the way it should be. But when you're looking at the OHL, that's a developmental hockey league. And you can't have these kids developing and playing without hitting because like look at all the other facets of the game that are probably more likely to contract and spread the disease face-offs bus rides benches scrums you name it like body contact isn't the issue here and if we're at a point where we're saying we will try to play hockey but not have body contact if that's the line we're drawing then we shouldn't be playing hockey at all Pilsy, you know what's crazy the Sens don't have a single prospect right now playing in the OHL. Like, to me, that's actually a bit surprising. Of course, they had Alex Formanton, and then just as recently as this past year, Jonathan Gruden, but he was in the Matt Murray trade. So no prospect playing that league, which is very important if this somehow goes through. I want to get into more of that, but if you're Quinton Byfield, if you're the Los Angeles Kings, this is a player who has nothing left to prove in terms of skill at the OHL level. The reason why you still have him there is because he's an August birthday. You want him to mature physically. So how much could this hamper a guy like Byfield or many other OHL players going forward throughout their NHL career? This is a developmental league. You're doing, in my opinion, doing a huge disservice to these players, not preparing them for the next level. This is a massive, massive thing if you're the LA Kings and you drafted number two overall, Quinton Byfield. Luckily, they have German connections, so I think it'd be pretty easy for them to send him on a flight to Germany and do the quarantine and join a team there. So they're lucky there, but you, you made a good point. And I retweeted friend of the show, Tony Ferrari's uh, statements. They were, I thought they were really good. And he was saying, this, yeah, this could be detrimental to young players' development. 
I'm sure if you're the Ontario government, you're saying hitting isn't all of hockey. Like at least they're still going to learn skating, passing and shooting, et cetera. But they're learning all those without the aspect of hitting. And that leads to dangerous, dangerous habits because while you're developing all those skills, skating, passing, shooting, et cetera, you have to be doing it with the awareness that players around you are dangerous and could hit you. And if you start getting used to having your head down and pulling off these fancy deeks and cutting through the middle, middle of the ice because you know no one's going to hit you, when you get up to a bigger level and you're playing against men, not teenagers, you're going to get absolutely hammered because you're developing the wrong skills and bad habits. So I think, yeah, to, like, to put it simply for me, if we're deciding are we going to play hockey without body contact or not hockey at all, then we need to not be playing hockey at all. And how are you going to monitor this for one? Like cross-checking isn't allowed in the game of hockey. Tripping isn't allowed in the game of hockey. These are all penalties. So what, you're just going to give a penalty for body checking? It's still going to happen. It is a game played on ice moving at 15 to 20 miles an hour. There's going to be collisions. So it's very ignorant to suggest that if you say no body contact, they're just going to all of a sudden be playing without contact. Like even, and I'm not saying this in a detrimental way, but there is no body checking allowed in women's hockey. That's just a fact. But these women are still battling in the corner. There's still a fact of contact in the game of hockey. It's as much a part of the game as goals and face-offs. So to take out such a fundamental aspect of the game of hockey is A, ridiculous, and B, you look within the country and I know the KHL just doesn't care about COVID and it's other, Russia. Other teams or other leagues are playing Finland, of course, and many others, but even within our own country, the BCHL is underway and you don't think Dr. Bonnie Henry, one of the most respected doctors in our nation signed off on them being allowed to play. So what kind of galaxy brain statistic do you think Lisa McLeod has or is this a fact where they feel like, oh, this is something we can put our foot down on? And this is a week after allowing dance studios to reopen, allowing so many things. Where does body checking have to do with this? It just drives me mental. Yeah, and I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not an expert in this stuff. And if I think a lot of people are saying, if you could prove, you could show us the data and the facts that when two players collide and body contact is happening, that is the most dangerous point of spread rather than face-offs, bus rides, benches, etc. Then maybe you go, okay, that makes sense. But I would still be on the argument, if there's no body contact, then you shouldn't be playing hockey. But this begs a bigger question, Ross. That's the government. This is the government of Ontario making these rules. Don't get it twisted. It's not, it's not the OHL making these rules. This is a government thing of Ontario. So what happens to NHL and AHL teams in Toronto, both the Marlies and the Leafs, and in Ottawa, the Senators, and Belleville, the Senators? Are they going to be affected by this as well? We're going to have to wait and see because that is massive. The reason I think this all started, and being at TSN 1050, I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, David Branch is coming on tomorrow? He's the president of the CHL. And he was very like, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, right? When, it, when the topic of body check came up, because it had been rumored a little bit over the past few days. So I don't think Lisa McLeod took very kindly to the fact that he was on a media tour yesterday. He was on Fan 590 as well. So I think she kind of wanted to put her foot down because Sportsnet then tweeted out, that there would be no body contact, like that it was already signed, sealed, delivered, to which Darren Dreger reported, I'm told that negotiations on all of the return to play 
are still underway. And to that, Lisa McLeod, I thought she was a little off-putting by the way she responded, to say the least. It was very, like, it was very just, like, dismissive, I think would be the best way to put it. And she got ratioed, and appropriately so. I think it was, like, 300 replies to, to 30 likes on all three of her tweets. But just basically saying, this isn't our decision, this is the doctor's decision, and I think that that's what everyone wants in the long run. But why are you making such definitive statements Four months before, November, December, January, February 4th is when the OHL is hoping to come back. It just seems like it's doing nobody any favors, and all it does is create divisiveness because she knew that there was going to be backlash to that statement. So it just seemed like such an inopportune time to make it. There's absolutely no rush. The World Juniors are happening in a bubble. That's going to happen first. Why don't we get through that? and then see where we are in terms of new cases, in terms of mortality rate, in terms of all these other statistics that are developing on a day-to-day basis. So to make a statement of something that's going to happen in about 150 days, I just don't see what the, the benefit is to anybody. Yeah, I mean, and this is a tough issue, right? Like this is unprecedented. We haven't really seen this kind of thing affect the hockey community like this. And look, that's politics. Like this is a politician being like, she's she is saying it's my way or the highway because they're trying to I don't know where it's at but they're they're forming some sort of bill or law that's going to state that so I don't know how this is going to work out I'm I'm not in favor of uh, this this new hybrid idea of hockey just because just because of how dangerous it could be for these kids down the future and it doesn't doesn't really seem to make sense but I think I don't think that this is done, even though the government has said it's done and she's putting her, her uh, foot in the sand kind of, I think there, there's going to be ongoing talks. And like you said, they're going to be looking at these different data points and stuff like that to try to decide what the best decision is when we get a little bit closer to February foot in the sand, draw a line in the sand. Yeah. Well, you can draw a line with your foot. How about that? But if your foot's in the sand and someone pulls you, it's not like you're strapped in. I think it would probably move. The line from your foot would still be in the sand. The line would, but you said we're going to put our foot in the sand. To make the line. I just feel for these kids, man. I honestly feel for the kids because, well, A, the ones who are good enough, and this World Junior team is going to be so stacked. Like The kids who, who have grown up watching like the fan perspective of a World Junior in Canada, like that's what it's all about. And, and for these kids to then, what are they going to do? Play full contact intensity at the World Juniors? And then come back to the OHL and be like, oh, I got to give you your, I got to give you six feet. Like, is that what's going to happen? I don't know. For Brandon Filler, I'm Ross Levitan. Hope you guys have a great Halloween weekend. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.